Hey, man. Quick question. You ever spoken to a woman before? This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 240 for the week of February 25th, 2019. I am hacker who doesn't know what a tarball is, David T. Cole, and I'm here with tampon flashbang Sarah D. Bunting. Shock and awe. Frustrated would-be bar patron Tara Ariano. This place ever going to open? And weaponize Ebola, Catherine Van Arendong. I caught it flying through midair, but then I got distracted by a wedding proposal. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Extra Hot Great. Before we get into the episode proper, just a quick note that we will be off next week due to me going in for surgery. What kind of surgery? Who's to say? Will I survive? Another good question. No, just kidding. Just shoulder (laughs) surgery. Uh, But it is the day before our recording, so we're just going to play it safe. Um, We know we've recorded while I've been high on drugs before, but I think this one's (laughs) a little too close to the bone, as it were. um, Oh, no. So with that, I pass it to Tara. We are here to talk about ABC's new uh, spy slash FBI dramedy, Whiskey Cavalier. And when we decided we were going to talk about this, I knew there was only one person we could have as a guest. And it is because when she was here for the ATX Festival last year, this was one of the network shows that she was legitimately super duper excited about. So here with us again from Vulture.com is Catherine Van Arendong. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Hello. Catherine. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Tell us what was it about this show that had you so psyched about it before it was even on the schedule? So I think so in order to fully set the scene. You have to imagine that I was watching it also in the same like day that I watched a ton of other network pilots. Mm-hmm. And this was before Whiskey Cavalier was officially a mid-season show. Right. Um, it was on a lot of screener sites as like it was going to be maybe one of the fall shows. And so I was watching it the same day I watched the pilot for Manifest, a Ooh. giant, bad, sad thing. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and I also watched New Amsterdam that oh, day, God. something <laughs> that made me so angry that I had a tiny aneurysm that could be fixed not with doctors, but with love, according to New Amsterdam. <laughs> and then I watched Whiskey Cavalier and I was like, oh, my God, at least it's fun. It's really fun. Like it's meant to be fun. And then it achieves something in the general range of fun. And so I was all I, you have to remember that I was I was coming out of it was like a doldrums that I was coming out of when I when sure. I watched this. Mm-hmm. Um, that was part of it. The other part of it is that just like Scott Foley can still get it is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and like that just goes you know quite a quite a long way all right well so you were grading on a curve you have had to since revisit it not just for our podcast but for your review on vulture which we will link to did did it stand up to further scrutiny without the uh the other dross around it so yes and no right like happily i was able to then go back and i also was able to watch the second episode for that review so i had like a little bit more base to go from Mm -hmm. um and it it's it's 
stupidness was much more apparent <laughs> to me this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yes. Like yes, it's I very do. it's <laughs> it's very proudly stupid, but uh-huh. uh, but there are still elements of it that like I was persuaded of in spite of itself, and because it's also like a lot of the stupidness is on purpose silliness. Like you yeah. you get to sort of. Everyone gets to be in on the stupidness in a way that is generally not the case in for a show like New Amsterdam. Um, so, so yeah, I, I felt I felt some of that. I was also talking with a lot of other people, um, and the thing that one thing that I now am sort of seeing it more in the context of is like, wow, ABC just really keeps trying to make Castle over and over, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that that vibe is 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 very much here. All right, um, yeah. Well, let's throw it to Sarah because she has thoughts on the uh, getting it worthiness of Scott Foley and the stupidity. Sarah, your thoughts? Um, <laughs> yeah, the I was not aware that the um, get it city of Scott Foley was in question. Mm-hmm. Um, I was willing to stipulate that without watching this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, watching this was a perfectly pleasant, not lasting at all experience yeah um i do think that like i'm not sure if it was abc i think it was but this is like the abcist spy show i feel like we did this already with peter krause mm-hmm. and that oh yeah that show that, that what's her face yeah that may have been um cbs but no if that it was, was ABC. it belonged on abc um the catch. The, yeah the catch castle like I am not going to keep watching it, uh, but I am perfectly fine with it existing (laughs) Um, (laughs) up to and through uh, five season syndication order when it will become literally as well as figuratively hotel TV. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly fine with being in the room with people who care about what happens on it and watching it or not really watching it, but like doing a slightly more complicated knitting pattern that doesn't. (laughs) require me to pay attention to the tv um it's it's fine like there i agree that like the silliness is overt and you are invited to participate in it as a viewer um there are a couple of little things that are a bit distracting like um why is the fbi operating in France, That's no, not... no. See, details, details are the, is the <laughs> wrong way okay, to approach this. But then show. there's the fact that his <laughs> co-star Lauren Cohan really mm. looks like Countess Luann to this speaking <gasps> of distracting degree. Oh, wow. It's yes. driving me, and this is not a bad thing for no. either of them, but it's very weird. Mm-hmm. To that's like money can't buy you shootouts. <laughs> like what? where am I right now? Mm -hmm. That was a little distracting. Uh, She's not my favorite. Like she's fine. But there was one scene where she's like struggling really amateurishly for a a gun. And it's like, I I would have asked for another couple of takes Mm -hmm. before being this, like, you know, putting the sass back in assassin lady who, I think wound up pointing the gun at herself at the end of that sequence. But it's, I mean, it's like fizzy fun and Scott Foley is running around having muscles and, you know, preparing to get it. And I'm fine with that. It's fine, but I'm all set. I think. All right. I think this one is the cotton candy show. 
which mm-hmm. is it is very enjoyable in the moment. It doesn't last long in the mouth at all. No, yes. If a raccoon tries to wash it, it will disappear. Exactly. It disappears <laughs> instantly in rain. And yeah. you're not sure the next time you pass the cotton candy stall, if you really want to put your teeth through that again. <laughs> like, it, I, think the, yeah. I think the buzz, I think the, the key word for this show is charming. It is very charming. The leads are charming. They have good chemistry. And... <clears throat> The spy stuff needed to go up a notch. Like, I don't mean like it needed to be like Alias or something, but it needed a more bouncy rhythm to it than it had. Um, I also don't know why they shot the, they did the film grading kind of like de- desaturated. It was a weird show. I know they're going for a European look, but I think yeah, they could have done European. that and still made the show look as bright and fun as they wanted the script to be. I thought that yeah. was an odd choice. Um, but like at the end of the first episode of the pilot, I was like, oh, that was charming. That was fun. It was like a perfect kind of network show that would yeah. never happen anywhere else besides ABC, NBC or CBS. Like nobody on cable on Netflix, they're really making this exact type of show. And whoever said like this is like one of many clones on ABC, you're kind of right. And they need to be careful because down that path lies CBS where everything is like, <laughs> is that blue? Is blue bloods a show or is it blue rookie or is it rookie blue? Like there's so many yeah. shows on CBS yep. that I actually cannot process as separate shows. I think it's actually rookie blue Chicago. I think you're right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Evilly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, the show is perfectly fine. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't stay with you. It doesn't need to stay with you. I think there's a certain slot that this show can occupy for people that just want to have a kind of fun little 44 minutes of television and then uh you know if they remember to watch it next week great yeah and it doesn't stay with you in a bad way either that you're not sort of walking around like why is kelly riley still getting work like (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's not a bad thing like it's okay to have tv that you know isn't like important with a capital i and just you sit there and you enjoy it and i think for that kind of thing like this show fits the bill. It's just like the question for every viewer is, do I have time in my schedule for something like this that right. doesn't stick with yeah. me? Is that my personal, like, does that take priority over all these other shows type of thing? But it's not yeah. a knock on this show. It's just like that's network TV. And it's, you know, like, I think if this show existed back, say, when we were starting Television Pity, it would have been like a great show for us because it has all the elements yeah. of a water cooler show from the odds. Yep. Does it now? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I if I may hearken to Catherine's other podcast, Appointment Television, you were talking when the whole bull scandal broke about how there's this whole category of shows that like people obviously watch because they are still on, but that never get, you know, they don't get the like air quotes prestige treatment on blogs and stuff like yeah. And that you thought you were going to have to subject yourself to bulls so that you could see, like, what is going on in this class of show. And I think, you know, Sarah mentioned hotel television. This this does have the feel other than it's like it's, it's expensive cast and very expensive locations. Like it does feel kind of syndicated. Like it's not, the, yeah. as Dave said, it's not the kind of thing that you necessarily need to make sure you don't miss every time. But if you're flipping around and you just want something on, like this is perfect Mm because whatever, whatever op they're trying to do, it's like explained 15 times. Like we get it. It's it's not complicated. And especially the pilot, which like totally borrows so much from mission impossible, the movie, which we rewatched over Christmas. (laughs) Um, 
that it, but but at the same time like it's it's so cute like i might keep watching it personally Catherine, so, what do you think yeah so i have i have two feelings about its future and they are both to do with that this is a bill lawrence production right bill bill lawrence if you don't know uh was the creator of scrubs and also of cougar town and so Cougar Town is a show that famously was terrible and then it got weirder and weirder and weirder. And then it got like everyone was like, oh, my God, Cougar Town's kind of amazing. It has also a famously terrible title. So Whiskey Cavalier is a terrible title. It is a great title as a two word phrase, but it is supposed to be a spy partnership show. And Whiskey Cavalier is just the dude's name. Yeah. So the fact that it somehow managed to escape everyone's notice that they were making a spy partner show and the title of the show was just the white dude <laughs> does yeah. not bode super well for what for like their priorities as they are watching this. But on the other hand, I can see this image of what this show could be if it like just scrapes through ratings wise and then gets a mediocre eh, we have nothing better going on season two renewal mm -hmm. and then as a result the creators and lawrence in particular say like oh whatever let's just let's just get super weird yeah that could be a really fun and like actually worthwhile way to spend your time if they really truly lean like even in the pilot, you can see. I think in my review, I called Scott Foley gooberish, right? Yeah. Even in the pilot, even in the pilot, you can see that there's a part of him that's just like such an absolute bonkers. He's just having a great time. He's there. He's game. I think they could really make it fun and weird, but I can't tell right now whether it's going to be the show called Whiskey Cavalier about the guy named Whiskey Cavalier, mm -hmm. or if it could find a way to be really strange and watchable. So, yeah, I don't know. I love that as a possible prediction because you're <laughs> right. You're definitely right about Cougar Town. And the other thing about Bill Lawrence shows, and we see it even here, there in the two first two episodes, there are three alumni of his past shows. Scott Foley did an extended arc on Scrubs and Josh Hopkins was, uh, so did Bellamy Young, who's in the second episode. Mm -hmm. scandal yes and um and josh hopkins was a cast member on on cougar town and like the number of people that pass through scrubs and cougar town is like it's a pretty big repertory company and they obviously like like working with bill lawrence because they'll pop up on more than one show like he has a deep bench of favors he could probably call in to at least goose stunt casting interest potentially yeah, definitely. And I so I have talked with Bill Lawrence a little bit because I I was moderating a panel with him. People I mean, he's he's a he's a magnetic guy and he's self-deprecating enough like a bunch of TV critics were banging about the fact that it's called Whiskey Cavalier, which is about the guy on Twitter a couple days ago. And then Bill Lawrence like showed up in everyone's mentions and was like, yep, that was real stupid of us. Oops. <laughs> Cougar Town is still a worse title, though, and then he dipped, which is like I I have a respect for somebody who's capable of being like, yep, this was a mistake and just saying it. So who knows? Who knows? It's time to go around the dial. First stop, Tara. 
Well, I have I have a quick rant first about uh, the latest episode of High Maintenance, which aired on Oscar night, uh, February 24th. So if you're not caught up, fast forward. It's not a spoiler, though. This is the episode that has aired. So, you know, every episode is like two stories. And the second story in this episode began with Ken Lung as a veterinarian telling a couple he was going to probably have to put their dog down unless they paid for some kind of expensive surgery. And Dave was like, I don't know if I can watch this. And I said, I'm pretty sure from the promo, they follow the vet, not the couple. So it's probably okay. Guys, it was not okay. What happens is oh, no. he has depression. Oh. He starts microdosing psychedelics. It he does not go well. This is definitely portrayed as something you should not do. And by the end, like his tolerance keeps going up and up and up until he's like losing it at work. And he finally is like on his way out one day to go and like calm down at home when this mother and a daughter come in with a tuba because the daughter was practicing and then set the tuba down and a kitten got caught in it. Uh, So he's not okay. And he's like trying to go about getting this kitten out in all of the ways that a very high person would. And I turned to Dave and went, I need to trust that this show is not going to kill a kitten Guess what? I was furious. This is like everything we said about high maintenance when we talked about it when Dave Roth was here. It's like this is like a total betrayal. I'm not saying I'm going to stop watching the show, but it's like, how did this happen? It's not okay. And they play it for laughs. Like it's horrifying. He's like bashing this tuba against the table and then eventually pulls it out with forceps and it's dead. Like it's it's it happens quickly. You don't really see anything, but it was still real bad. Dave, That's you watched not it acceptable. also. Not acceptable. No, it's not. Dave, agree with me that this was to not be honest okay. with you. I was still traumatized by the start with the dog because, <laughs> you know, I love my dogs and, you know, one of them's getting older. So uh, and then like they bring this dog in. It has like a growth on it. And the guy's like, well, you know, we can do the surgery and blah, blah, blah. Or you can take him to the park and have, have him, give him a nice sandwich or bring him back. And then, like, they're crying. And then I start, like, losing it. And Aww. then, like, the next scene, they show this big, you know, contractor garbage bag on the table. He lifts up and puts on the pile of Aww. euthanized pet. And I was like, ah, 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 I can't, like, no. Like, I like whatever they're doing artistically, it just, like, it, it wasn't Ooh. worth my mental health to continue so mentally yeah. i kind of already checked out tara said well, right, we, well we'll good. probably continue watching i'm like all right and then no, the cat thing at the end. I by then I, I gotta tell you tara i was spent i didn't really care about the cat <laughs> all right well it was upsetting high maintenance get your shit together this is not what we come to your show for holy shit i'm yeah. just not gonna watch that no right. no i advise that. that it's the second story of the episode so like when they're finished with the old lady turn it off moving on <laughs> No old ladies in the series premiere of Jesus and Marrow, the uh, the transplant from Viceland of the beloved Bodega Boys uh, format, formerly on Viceland. I guess it was four nights a week. This is just going to be once a week on Showtime. And um, past guest of the show, Josh Gondelman, is a writer on it. He was formerly on last week tonight when we had him here on the podcast. So it's it's uh it was a little bit shaggy, the first episode. Um, <clears throat> the monologue was kind of the most funny part because it was the part that relied the most on their personality. Where there's, They would sort of do a headline and then riff on it, but it felt like the audience was mic'd really low because they were, like, laughing at each other. Like, you know, they are funny and that makes sense, but, like, you didn't feel the audience feedback of, like, who was actually there in the studio. <clears throat> um 
And then they also had us had an interview segment with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's done their podcast as well. And they mm. she was great. They had her come out in like this. The set for where guests come out of looks like the front door of a bodega, which is extremely cute. <laughs> um, they did a very funny uh, taped bit where they went to visit her in her office in in Washington and like bronxed up, bronxed it up with like big um, uh, whatever they're called flat flatheads. I always forget what they're called. Those big head stickers that you can put on the walls. Oh yeah. They, hung, yeah. they hung a pair of shoes from um, her chandelier, which is really good. And like put up a little rag of like platana or plantain chips and stuff. Like it was, it was very cute. Um, but I, f- it felt like it could have been cut more. I don't, I tried to find out if it was actually broadcast live. It definitely felt like it was live and there weren't enough cuts to tighten it up. But um, as a first episode, it was, they, they have a lot of charm. Obviously, if you, if you know them as a, as a entertainment brand, you have an idea of what you're going to get. So I will keep watching it. And, and, uh, it was, yeah, it has room for room to improve, but definitely a very strong start. Did anyone else watch it? I did not. Sounds like I meant okay. to. <laughs> well, it's still there. So. Okay. <laughs> and for my plug, uh, I have nothing new because I've just been, we've been started writing the uh, Beverly Hills 90210 book. Woo-hoo. Um, so instead, I will plug someone else's fine work, in, which in this case is the film independent best first feature winner, Sorry to Bother You, an excellent under the radar movie, did not get any love at the Oscars, which is a crime. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu if you're a subscriber. It's it's great. And if you saw the trailer and were like, I don't know, there's a huge thing that happens without giving anything away. Like the trailer is not representative of the madness and smart, sharp satire in this movie. Dave, we watched it over the holidays. Would you agree? Yes, I do agree, Tara. <laughs> All right, Catherine, you're up. Okay, great. Um, so I want to talk about the show The Magicians because I love it. And I was an idiot who did not love and watch very much of it when the show first came on in the first season. So I am using now every possible outlet and opportunity to try to tell people not to take the path that I took and <laughs> ignore this show. I think it's an easy show to ignore because it feels very like, uh, it has a level of humor that feels pretty sarcastic and like not serious. It is, there's like a lot of sex and strangeness as far as the, the, the understanding what's happening in the plot is not particularly the point of it either. Um, but I have grown very, very, very attached not just to the characters in it, but also to their particular execution of these ideas, which is generally like magicians discover that magic sucks and only makes things worse. But now they can't ignore that it exists and they just are perpetually like dealing with trying to make the world actually function again in any <laughs> way. Um, I was trying to describe. So I ended up writing about the the. uh fourth season premiere when it came out after having caught up on it all at once. And it was, I think the word, one of the phrases that I used that actually got cut was because apparently it wasn't like, didn't quote, make sense. Close quote <laughs> was that it was, was that it tasted like, um, like pop rocks and sadness. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's it. It's this combination of incredibly fizzy, 
explosive strangeness that is not meant to be serious with this undercurrent of like, oh, actually a world that makes zero sense makes a lot of sense to everyone right now. Uh Um, So so that's something that I and I have now seen a lot more of season four, including all the episodes that are out and and screeners of stuff that's coming up. It is as good as it has ever been. This show is. And they're doing a musical episode this season, which is my shit. So I, <laughs> um, I, I would like everyone who, who might have dismissed it because it is on Siffy or whatever that channel is pronounced now, um, to maybe reconsider. It's all on Netflix and it will be worth your time. So there's that. And then also, um, I finally watched all of Shit's Creek and that was a further good use of my time. <laughs> That's Boy, that show hearing. is good. Yes. And yeah. we already mentioned your podcast, Appointment Television, but we can also find your excellent writing at Vulture.com, correct? Yes, that that is true that they, for some reason, pay me to write about television. <laughs> it baffles me every day. Dirty uh, OK, Grace and Frankie, here's the thing. <clears throat> One of my students recommended that I check this out. And because the student had arrived to class carrying a Real Housewives of Shady Pines Golden Girls tote, <laughs> I was willing to trust his judgment and I Mm -hmm. get where he was going with it. But despite having a cast that I mostly adore and uh, RuPaul in the fifth season, this is really not for me. I am so sorry, June, Diane, Raphael. I really tried, but (laughs) the problem is that it is so slow and it's slow in a way that once you sort of figure out what exactly is bothering you about the slowness, it's like not interesting. Mm. Um, First of all, and not to be ageist with this comment, but this is a legit note and not snark. I think part of the pacing issue is maybe that certain cast members um, whose names rhyme with Fane Janda are having trouble (laughs) navigating their dentures correctly Mm, but mm. mostly it just feels like a multi-cam from which the laugh track has been deleted leaving the spaces for the laughs like uh, the silences between the lines or jokes would normally have uh, some kind of response prompt to guide slash convince you um that a punchline is funny but here it's just the occasional sting and Mm. the writing doesn't hold it up like it's not bad it's just not good enough for there to be all this space in it um i got to the end of the fifth season premiere barely and like it's just so big and at the same time it's so wooden Ah, big and wooden and it it had a few moments where i thought i was going to be able to buy in like um robert the martin sheen character swooning in order to subtract himself from an awkward moment but that's mostly what I also wanted to do with the show. So I quit on it like five minutes into episode two. Dear Shady Pines tote bag student, um, I, you know, you are seen and heard, but d- try another one because this was not uh, for me. Yeah, I wonder if like... Because because it was Netflix, they felt like even though it was from Marta Kaufman and she comes from multicam, they felt like it was not prestige enough to do a multicam and or that all the old people can keep up, maybe. But yeah, and like post one day at a time, it feels like, oh, maybe that was would have been the yeah. way to go and make it a little yeah. more sparky. 
Also, yeah, by the exactly. end of season one, somebody gives birth into a pair of yoga pants. So mm-hmm. that's a mm. complaint that I have about this show. <laughs> about <laughs> life? About yeah. yoga pants? Yeah. yeah. She yeah. just, she has a baby and then it falls into her pants. So no. that's my, that's my problem. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. Mm-mm. Um, for my plug, I have a podcast with our esteemed colleague, Mark Blankenship, about pop music. It's called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, or Mast Ass. And on the eve of a new month, specifically March, uh, we are about to launch March Mast Ass. What does that mean? Subscribe and find out. There will yeah. be a bracket. There will be a brawl. It's going to be awesome. 80s Brit, Brit pop Bracket, fun times. That's Mark and Sarah talk about songs wherever fine podcasts are found and also ours. So I haven't had a uh, forcing in a while and uh, that's fine by me because I've been kind of busy lately, but we're finally back this week with a forcing. Uh, It comes from, let's see here, from Chris. And Chris asked me to watch a show called Taskmaster, which I will admit I've never heard of before. Um, It is from the UK. It is one of the many, many British panel shows, which is a very British format. It is a comedy show, and it stars uh, Greg Davies. That's his name, right, Tara? Yep. Uh, You may know his face. He's the principal on The Inbetweeners. He was also the dad from Cuckoo. So Taskmaster is the show where Greg and his assistant set up just stupid things for this panel of five comedians to perform and it is stuff like how much watermelon can you eat in a minute or and it gets weirder and weirder uh tara what were some of your favorite ones uh i enjoyed to paint uh paint this horse while riding a horse i thought that one was pretty good (laughs) (laughs) so they're really stupid tasks even stuff like there's a block of ice how long does it take you to melt it and the rules for each task are vague enough that it lets uh, people with criminal minds work that way. It lets the letter followers try to do it just in the, you know, the, the proper British way. Um, and it, it is incredibly engaging and entertaining. We were tasked to watch the pilot. Uh, we ended up inhaling the whole first series of it. And I mm. will admit, I have the other six series ready to go. Uh, now uh, this show is definitely up my alley. I love shows where you're given permission to laugh at the people, which is a very mm-hmm. British way of doing things that Americans kind of usually shy away from. See the office uh, differences. It was just really funny. There's this one moment, I think, in the third episode. And up to this point, you know, everybody does the same task, right? They're all given this task and the first one done when <laughs> this is one of the third where they had this one guy unbeknownst to him doing these stupid tasks that went nowhere and only he had to do, which culminate in, in counting the grains of rice in a bag of rice. And he thinks everybody's doing it. And they revealed during the show that they only had him do it. And it went nowhere for no points. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you can't find it here. If you search for taskmaster in the States, you'll get a comedy central remake with Reggie Watts, which I haven't watched, but I don't really feel like I need to Tara. You watched as well. Your thoughts. Yeah, it's super funny. It is. It, it's extremely dumb, but it's it's the dumber it is, the more invested you get. And one of the counting tasks, which they went out to commercial with, was how many how many beans are in a can of baked beans. And uh, I guessed closer, and I was really proud of myself. Like it's dumb stuff <laughs> like that, where like the le- the less stakes there are, the more 
the more invested you get. And when you, when people find a way around, um, around the parameters that are like, that are more sneaky, it's, it's, it's really funny. One of them, they had to go to a mall and, um, get a high five from a person who was 55. And one of the guys, when it was started going up to people, the one who is like definitely the most sneaky, this guy, his name is uh, Tim Key. He went up to someone and said, uh, I need to get a high five from someone who's 55. We're doing a comedy show. It's for comic relief with this 0% is, and that's like a big charity, which does a lot of stuff like this in the UK. And when they, they, after they showed the VT of him, like the, the video of him saying this, they cut back to the theater and all of the comics were like aghast. And I was aghast <laughs> like that, that you would, that you would exploit it in that way is like it's it's smart, but it's also really devious. So yeah, Dave is right. You have to fly to England to see it, but it's it's extremely enjoyable. Well, actually, I, you I, don't I, even have to fly to England because uh, there is a subreddit on Reddit called Panel Shows or something like that, and somebody on uh-huh. that subreddit has created a site where you can just get them. It is it uh-huh. is definitely through methods. I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, okay. they have like every panel show from the UK. They have videos up there that you can watch. Um, I'm sure it's all above board. Wink, wink. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely uh, Taskmaster. Thank you very much, Chris, for forcing me to watch it. I am definitely hooked. Uh, first yeah, series down and uh, six more to go. Hey. This extra credit co- topic comes from Erica, who gave us the uh, Great British Baking Show slash Bake Off canon presentation last week. We're calling it Your Good Place. And Erica writes, describe your first season good place. What's the most prevalent food item that's not quite right? What tips you off that things aren't quite what they seem? And who plays your Michael and Janet? So we'll go in our around the dial order. I will go first. The food (laughs) item that's almost but not quite right is grilled cheese. Yes, but it's with tomato and onion. No, too slimy. (laughs) Um, I know that it's not quite right because while TV is plentiful, there's no DVRs Mm. and, uh, my casting Michael, uh, who has to be someone I would find reassuring at first blush, but would gradually unsettle me. I went with Emma Thompson (laughs) starting as real life Emma Thompson and gradually turning it into uh, goneril from the King Lear movie that was on Amazon last year. And for my Janet, who has to be someone I would believe knows everything about everything, my first thought was Regina King, duh. But um, mm-hmm. Janet also has to be cheerful and a little bit blank, so I'm going with support the girls star, Haley Lou Richardson. Catherine. Oh, that's a great one. Um, so my first season, Good Place, uh, the place I was imagining was a place that I would have found very, very comforting when I was like a, a Midwestern teen, which is a Barnes & Noble Um, and, uh, so then the most prevalent food item there would be like bad Barnes and Noble, like mochas that I would have been consuming as a, like, like 15 year old illicitly, but like, instead of having chocolate on the top of them and then mostly sort of taste having like a weird chalky after sensation, which is what they're supposed to have. Um, it would be like, you know, it'd be like paprika or something very strange on the top of the, the whipped cream. Um, (laughs) The so what tips me off that things aren't quite right in a Barnes? I mean, there's a lot of ways that this could go, but like just you know having uh, only Twilight in the book section, or you know something <laughs> similarly unnerving. No bathroom, uh, or yeah, no bathroom, terrible, or just it could be real subtle. Like every single time you go to find the next book in whatever series you're reading, they don't have it, but they have all the other ones, which. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So who plays Michael and Janet? Uh, The Michael that I imagined was Timothy Oliphant. 
uh, he <laughs> would start out like real kind of, he would, he would be, well, there's many, honestly, many Tim- Timothy Oliphants that I would find very appealing, but eventually he would turn into the Timothy Oliphant who shows up in that Rob Lowe show that I can't remember the name of right now. Um, the, uh, uh, the grinder. The, the grinder, thank you. The Timothy Oliphant who shows up there, who's just like a, a like a lousy kind of celebrity type. Um, uh, and then my Janet, my blank person who I believe would actually know everything for some reason. And again, this is because I've watched a lot of Shit's Creek lately. It would be Dan Le- Levi, like he, would, uh-huh. but, but like, but like very um, affectless, but like cheerful, cheerful, mm-hmm. you know, and I would just absolutely believe anything he told me. So that's my it. good place. Uh, I, Great. I can't let this go by with all those mentions. Timothy. <laughs> Off with his Off pants. With his pants. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's next? Sarah. That's next. me. Um, my most prevalent food item is scones. Um, <laughs> and stores include scone of shame. Roy Scone, Sconey Island, the Scone mm-hmm. Mutiny. Um, but the thing is, they're like really huge. Like you have to carve them like a roast, big, <laughs> which tips me off that something is not right. Also tipping me off that something is not quite right. Um, my cats are all getting along with mm. each other and are content to eat kibble normally from the bowl instead of standing to the side of it and fishing it out grain by grain and throwing <laughs> it on the floor. <laughs> And then sniffing it and then crunching it super loudly just as I'm dropping off to sleep. Fucking cats. First. Um, So that is not what it seems because it would be too quiet. Um, And my Michael and Janet don't really um, necessarily have anything to do with their um, uh, original avatars. I just want there to be a show in which uh, RuPaul and Billy Porter mm. are like literally in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Michael Love is it. RuPaul and Janet yep. is Billy Porter. Mm-hmm. The food item for me is uh, going to be one of my favorite dishes, which is Barta, which is uh, a curried eggplant, obviously from India. I think the providence of the name, which is like eggplant based, and the country of origin is going to give the visual designers lots of stuff to work with. My Michael is going to be Michael Sheen, the actor, mm-hmm. but it's going to be Michael Sheen as Nero from ancient Rome. Now, I know nobody else <laughs> on the panel has seen this miniseries. And if you haven't, I know we talk on the show about scenery chewers a lot. You have never seen overacting and like joyous overacting as you've seen Michael Sheen playing Nero in this, like a sort of like a half miniseries half nonfiction show i just have one clip of him uh talking to the senators to give you a taste and this is not like the highlight of his portrayal of nero but anyways if michael was like this during the good place i think it'd be very different and also entertaining show and don't any of you dare say there's no money don't you dare So it's like hours and hours of Michael Sheen doing that. Uh, Ancient Rome, see if you can find it. It is fantastic. I'm not even saying it jokingly. It is worth watching because he is so fucking over the top. It is like one of my favorite things on TV ever. Um, So he will be my Michael. And uh, this is mostly for Tara, but I think it would work. My Janet is Nisi Nash. Yeah. Uh Yep. (laughs) And that is uh, our extra credit. 
AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! It is time for the canon. Tara Ariano is submitting this week. Take it away, Tara. All right. Well, longtime listeners may recall our episode last year on Netflix's Everything Sucks, in which I successfully pitched an episode of The New Adventures of Old Christine to the canon. Sarah and our guest, Stephanie Green, both voted yay, while Dave insisted that they were insane, that Old Christine was a completely unremarkable show, and that if we were going to put one of its episodes in the canon, we might as well induct a King of Queens. And I was like, challenge accepted. <gasps> Dave may not have thought I would actually do it, but here I am to make the case for Clothes Encounter, Season 5, Episode 21 of The King of Queens. This episode is part of a season five mini arc in which Carrie and Doug discover their basement is riddled with mold. Remediating the problem is so expensive that they're forced to borrow money from Doug's parents, humiliating enough even before Doug's dad blames their shaky finances on Carrie's clothes shopping, forcing Carrie to inform him that Doug knew about the mold when they bought the house and just never did anything about it. So as we open Close Encounter, Carrie reports that they've just cleared a major hurdle on the road to financial stability. They've paid off their MasterCard. Doug thinks they should each reward themselves by buying themselves a little treat, which kicks off the episode's A-plot. Here's what I think makes Clothes Encounter a canon contender. Number one, it gives Spence a relatable and funny B-plot. Rachel Dratch's Denise was the only multi-episode love interest Patton Oswalt's Spence ever got. And here we see the couple facing their first big conflict. She is terrified of dogs, including his ridiculous little pug, Alan. Spence tries to get Denise over her fear by arranging a tightly managed meeting in clip one. Touch me, he's like a little brown pillow. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> We're making some real progress. Now, I'm going to go into the kitchen and get us some beverages, okay? What? what? I'll be right back. I'm just going to let you two get acquainted. Alan, Denise was born in Michigan. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
As someone who loves her dogs the normal amount, I appreciate that Spence tries to facilitate conversation between Denise and Alan by introducing her with thoughtful details like in Bridget Jones' diary and that Denise is being so game that she follows Spence's lead. However, Denise remains wary of Alan. The editing on the segment where she's staring at Alan in horror while he looks back at her with a big, stupid pug smile is excellent. And when Alan interrupts Denise and Spence making out by jumping up onto Denise's leg, she runs out screaming and eventually gives Spence an ultimatum. It's her or the dog. Where the plot diverges from reality is when Spence, legendarily single, picks Denise as no real dog owner really would. But then Denise is at Spence's when an even more dangerous beast shows up. Denise is about to flee from a pigeon when she accidentally knocks over, over Alan's crate. He runs out and chases the pigeon off in clip two. He saved me! <laughs> think we're gonna make it <laughs> spoiler they don't make it denise gets engaged to a guy played by david hayden jones who fun fact is the former comedy partner of past and future guest adam sternberg which i only mentioned for that trivia moving on point number two it highlights the differences between doug and carrie without making him the butt of the jokes yes the king of queens is kind of the archetypal fat guy skinny wife sitcom though i wouldn't have watched all of it several times through if he were always the doofus and she were always doug's naggy conscience yes there are a lot of episodes that go that way but somewhere in the second season the show's producers discovered that leah remini could do more than roll her eyes and started writing episodes where the comedy arises from her hair trigger temper or devious nature of which this is one We'll get to that in a second. Before we find out what treat Carrie bought herself, though, we see how little it takes to delight Doug, at least for a few minutes, in clip three. Did that sound like the beginning of Thunder Road? <laughs> the last time I heard Thunder Road, I didn't want to kill myself, so I'm going to say no. They threw in the neck holder for free, which one assumes is most of the reason Doug wanted to get a harmonica in the first place. Number three, it progresses Carrie's love of fashion. This character note goes all the way back to the first season when Carrie started working at a law firm in Manhattan and worried about fitting in with stylish female co-workers who made her feel like she was from Arkansas. Even just a few episodes earlier, when Doug has to ask his dad for a loan, Carrie admits that she knew she was overspending on designer brands but couldn't help herself. Doug, I just can't describe how much I hate knockoffs. Here, Carrie comes home with a bag containing her treat and sees Doug already enjoying his in clip four. Listen. I call that Carrie's theme. That's your treat? Yeah. How much was it? It was like 28 bucks and they threw in the neck holder. It's great. So now I can play while I drive or while we make love. What'd you get? Oh, no, 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 nothing special. Mm. Let me see what's in the bag. Yeah, you like to see something. Take it out. Come on. A leather jacket? How much did that cost? 400 What? <laughs> well, I was going to buy these cute little bath soaps, but then I saw this and I just thought it would be better. <laughs> Well, you said we should buy ourselves something that says we done good, and this says I done good. No, that says I done spent a crap load of money. All right, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to take it back. I, I, I can't believe you. We, we just got out of debt, and you go out and do something like this? You're right. You're I right. mean, $400, that's going to put us right back in the hole. I just said I will take it back. You gave it too soon. I'm still mad. <laughs> 
When Carrie goes to return the jacket, she discovers something interesting. Clip five. Was there some problem with it? Uh, no, actually, uh, when I got home last night, it turns out my husband already bought me a leather jacket. He does that kind of stuff all the time. He's a doctor. <laughs> no problem. We have a seven-day return policy. In fact, you could have enjoyed this for six more days. <laughs> Cut to Carrie stomping into the house wearing a new Yves Saint Laurent summer suit and telling Doug her new shopping strategy in Clip 6. You went shopping? I thought we just talked yeah, about yeah. this. Guess how much it cost me. I'm guessing more than $20. Well, it sells for $1,800, but for me, it was nothing. Not a zip. What? That's right. I found a loophole in the system. I could still go shopping. If I see something I like, I just buy it. I tuck in the tags when I wear it, and then I keep it really clean, and then in 7 to 30 days, depending on the store, I take it back for a full refund. Slap it high! Come on! No, I ain't slapping it high. Why not? Because what you're doing is wrong. It's not wrong. I'm being thrifty. No, you're being shoplifty. <laughs> the only reason stores let you return stuff is if there's a problem with it. There is a problem with it, Doug. It cost $1,800. Oh, slap it high, buddy. Come on. Carrie offers to get Doug a little temporary joy in the form of a PlayStation, but he's too ethical, leaving her more time to hit up Dolce and Gabarrowed. Point four, it highlights Carrie's diabol diabolical ingenuity. Carrie runs game at stores all over Midtown until she has two items that need to go back to different stores on the same day and enlists an extremely reluctant Doug in the scam by giving him a pair of shoes to return for her. There's no way to clip this because as Doug stands there getting increasingly anxious, the store's clerk, played by Monica Schnarr, L from 90210, oh, shout out Sarah, and, and manager discuss in German the return procedure. Doug, of course, can't know that they aren't actually on to him. And when they turn back to him, he takes the box and leaves without another word. It's a great visual joke. When Doug comes home to give Carrie the bad news, she panics about having to eat the cost of the shoes and heads into her office where Doug sees how far her scheme has gone. The whole room is full of clothing racks, purses, and shoes. Clip seven. All right, the belt has to go back to Gucci tomorrow, so if I go during lunch, I can take the shoes back in the morning. Oh, crap, they don't open till 10. Don't these people understand I have a job? Okay, the belt, the belt, the belt. Where's the belt? Where's the belt? <laughs> Honey, oh, don't touch that. That hasn't been processed. Okay, so if I take the shoes back at lunch, they're a day late, but I'll cry. I think I could I could push it through. But the belt's a belt, okay. Oh, all right, I'll take it when I take the sweater back. They've got a Gucci counter at Saks, okay? Everything's fine. Mm. Everything not fine. <laughs> What's going on here? You said you were only going to do this with a couple of things. What difference does it make? Everything's going to get returned on time. Carrie, there's like a hundred things in here. What if you mess up? What if we get stuck having to pay for something? Everything is under control, okay? Everything gets tagged, bagged, and returned on time. The system works! Yeah, it works great if you're the guy in a beautiful mind. <laughs> it's not a system, it's a disease. Oh, come on. No, it is. You, you buy a bunch of stuff, you get a big buzz off that, then you turn around and you bring it back. It's like, it's like you have shopping bulimia. <laughs> Doug even notices that Carrie's given herself a rash on her arm from where she tucks the tags in. Carrie realizes she actually does have a problem, 
But maybe the problem is that she missed her calling as a librarian or as the founder of Rent the Runway. Number five, gives Carrie another opportunity to advance her career via social climbing. From the time the show introduced us to Carrie's direct boss, the firm's biggest idiot, Carrie has been trying to ingratiate herself to his boss, senior partner Kaplan, to try to get hired on as his assistant. Periodically, it seems as if she might actually pull it off. And in this episode, it's by looking so polished that Kaplan invites her and Doug out to a party at his house in the Hamptons. It's going great until Kaplan tries to hand off his infant son Harrison to her and Carrie resists. Clip eight. What's wrong with you? Carrie, he's a baby. He's not a badger. Hold him. I, I, I just, I really shouldn't be holding him. That's all. What, what do you mean? What? What? Are you... Wait a second. Is that one of those expensive designer things? I don't know. I don't think so. I thought you told me you were bringing them all back. I couldn't. Why not? I went to the room this morning. It was empty. Yes, because I brought them all down to my dad's room. I told him I wanted them on a game show. When Kaplan returns, it's with a serving of mashed blueberries he wants Carrie to feed Harrison. As we all know, the only reason for such a dish to be introduced on a sitcom is for it to get spilled on someone or worse. And sure enough, even a half-assed old dad like Kaplan knows what it looks like when Harrison's about to spit up. In another well-edited segment set to the ominous sounds of Carmina Burana, Carrie and Doug look from one another to a pre-erp Harrison until Doug grabs the baby just in time for him to barf all over Doug instead. Only a garment the Heffernans actually own is ruined, and Carrie avoids making a bad impression on Kaplan, this time anyway. This episode is admittedly not entirely typical of the series in that Jerry Stiller's Arthur doesn't appear in it at all, apart from the mention of his unwitting part in Carrie's shopping plot. And yes, it is true that designer garments would probably A, have their tags affixed in places Carrie would be unable to tuck them in, and B, also have anti-theft devices attached, but it's still a very entertaining episode, episode. That exploits every facet of a comic premise with all the fat edited out. I always enjoy watching it. I hope you did too, and that you'll induct it into the canon. Let's throw this to Catherine first, since she picked it off the list and doesn't have the baggage from the New Adventures of Old Christine incident. (laughs) So I picked it off of the list because I thought to myself, Really? Really? (laughs) King of Queens? (laughs) Really? (laughs) And so I fear we might be in for New Adventures of Old Christine Redux. Um, but so I don't, I, I don't, I have no attachment to this show. I have only ever watched it in like little bits as it happens to be on cable. Um, and, or like I'm, I'm browsing past it somehow. And so this actually may be one of the first full episodes that I had watched, like just by itself. And although I can completely understand the argument in favor of it's it's certainly it's like tight it's well constructed i was impressed that it gets to the place of like i was afraid it would be it would be more um scoldy about how far she falls into her into her addiction and instead it gets to like bonkers place where she's downstairs with the board and the and the like system so this was this was impressive to me uh i also felt like the ending where instead of making it like a sad full housey like oh i'll never do it again like they just <laughs> kind of cut out and then they have harmonica sex at the end um that i that i also enjoyed but i i have had a hard time like looking at the episode and being like 
this is a special standout episode. Like I couldn't, I, I am still having a hard time seeing an argument for its unusual, like what, what makes it a premier different episode of TV than something like one day at a time, or it's probably cause I, I'm nostalgic for friends in a way that, King Queens never did it for me. I don't know. Can I go next? Because I, I think I dovetailed nicely with what Catherine just oh, said. Oh, okay. I, th- I, I thought you would want to go last. So you <laughs> no, could I'll really, go now. Uh, unleash a whole stem winder. Okay. Okay. Go for it. So hearkening back to the new adventures of old Christine thing, after the show, I basically said, Tara, I can go back whenever you do King of Queens in the future. I can take what I said today on the new adventures of old Christine, just substitute king of queens and i could probably make the exact same <laughs> argument i didn't go to all that effort because it turns out i didn't actually mention character names that much but i'm gonna stand by what i'm gonna play right now all right i don't know what you guys are smoking because this is a super <laughs> average episode of an average <laughs> show. this is so far away from canon material i don't oh. know what the fuck you guys are going on about this, this there's there's nothing beyond there's nothing beyond typical sitcominess going on here that would elevate it into canon material the show is just like it's if tell you what, Tara, if you can ever induct an episode of King of Queens into the canon, I promise you I'll revisit this show and give it another vote. Oh, my God. Challenge fucking accepted. I bet I can find it. <laughs> because this show is just like it's fine. Just like King of Queens is on TV. I can be in the same room as King of Queens. I could be in the same room as this, but I'm not going to bring my eyes up. You know, I don't know from- if you could be in the same room as Tara <laughs> after this rant. Jeez. Oh, I, I, this, is, this is not it's a just, surprise. It's, it's, it's just a very B, B minus sitcom <laughs> that Tara happens to like. How many times did you guys say, oh, the writing is poor, but, you know, she manages to sell it. The writing is poor and she manages to sell it. Maybe it's not canon worthy. Like maybe it's, the writing should be great and that her acting makes it transcendent. Like that's the that's canon oh, okay. canon territory. So for me, it's a no vote. Screw you. <laughs> screw the world. I'm down from my high, and this show did it. All right, let's put it to a vote. I say no. <laughs> Anything else there? No, I'm good. Dave? That's all I wanted to say. I stick by okay. that. Okay. Well, uh, I have to uh, tip my hat to Tara for aiming this so firmly, subject matter wise, <laughs> at the heart of her wife. Um, with a shopping focused ep- episode and um, at the same time, almost guaranteeing her wife is not going to vote for it with a teeny little subplot involving barf. Um, I have never watched King of Queens except for this episode outside of Tara's like line of sight. Like it's the only time I ever watch it is if I'm with Tara and it's like I've always enjoyed it, but then not sought it out. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I am torn because this is an extremely. I wish I could put like the pitch into the canon and its backstory <laughs> into the canon. But the fact is, I thought the B plot was boring and a snooze. Maybe that's some lingering Patton Oswalt issues <laughs> that I have that. It's no one's fault, but they exist nonetheless. Um, yeah, like I, I laughed a few times. I'm fond of most of the participants on the show. It was a good pitch, but 
eh, like I I seem to recall thinking the new Adventures of Old Christine episode that we watched was like there were a couple of real knee slappers in there and this was just like good and not great. Well, that one also had Ben Feldman, just for Catherine's information. That was that was an episode he guest starred in. Oh, interesting. That would explain. Yeah. And it was just a little I don't know, like this is a very likable show, but I I was not fond of the um dog fear subplot i just thought that was like um and this was pretty sitcom-y uh i will give them credit for like i will tolerate this use of carmina barana and this use (laughs) only and then it has to go back in dry dog for like 10 years but yeah i'm just not sure it's like sort of a a b plus and i'm not sure it hoists itself into a minus territory I just don't think it's enough. And I'm not usually as strict as Dave, who has his own. We are describing the, this is the whiskey cavalier of sitcoms. I was thinking that too. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And apparently Doug can still get it with the harmonica. I don't understand that, but. It's a separate point. Mm. Guys, I just sometimes you got to take a big swing just to amuse yourself. And maybe that's what this. Absolutely. Also, you know, I said challenge accepted. I had to accept the challenge. Yes, you did. Okay, so it sounds like we're done. Let's put this to the official vote. (laughs) Catherine? Nope. Sarah? I'm so sorry to allow this Dave Gloat fiesta that's about to start, but also a no for me. All right, that that means... Looking for something festive for the holidays? Your participating Carvel ice cream store has these beautiful ice cream cakes for the holidays. Tom the turkey, who speaks turkey language as I speak English. Priscilla and John, the lovers who never did find Plymouth Rock. And then we have Dumpy the Pumpkin. How do you like these special molded gift cakes for the holidays? At your participating coffee light cream store. Thank you and have a happy holiday. All right, didn't get in. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Who has our winner? Me, but before I I say it, I just want to say, for last week's canon submission, we had one person on Twitter mad that we inducted it when we did not induct a trip to the dentist, the Veronica Mars episode way back in Mark One of this product, uh, this podcast, and someone else mad that we didn't get in sufficiently to like the Britishness of the Great British Bake Off. So I really look forward to the discourse on this canon submission for an extremely unloved show. Now that I've said that, um, our winner this week is Colton the Bachelor. He made the inherently extremely embarrassing choice to record a pop single, embarrassing enough in itself, but with O-Town, the making the band band, but he did it to raise money for cystic fibrosis, so we can't mock him legally. Well played, sir. And loser like O Town though, um, <laughs> that's me. And loser, I mean, not really. Technically, no. it's HBO who is getting sued by Michael Jackson's estate over alleged violations of a non-disparagement agreement. Um, I think actually they're being sued. The agreement does not regard leaving Neverland. Like that's why they're being sued. But the um, linchpin that the estate is using 
is um, apparently to do with a non-disparagement agreement signed in 1992, surrendering a concert film of Michael Jackson's that the network aired. Oh. Um, anyway, this is not going to do anything that the estate wants it to do, I suspect. I'm not a lawyer, and I guess we'll see, but the real losers are the people vociferously defending the estate online yeah. and pre-dancing on the pre-grave of HBO, which is going to be bankrupted and ruined by this litigation. Like, your boy's a bad toucher. Just <laughs> accepted. This yeah. documentary Allegedly. is coming out. Allegedly, don't sue me either. Although I didn't sign anything agreeing not to disparage Michael Jackson, <laughs> mm -hmm. nor well, will I. Still, yeah. Speaking about suing each other, do you know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Great segue time. This is our sixth game time of the season. Scores are Sarah with three, Value Guess with one, Tara with one. Today we are playing That's What It's Called, part one, from Ryan C., who earns himself an extra credit. <coughs> redeemable for an extra hot, great, midi, extra credit topic of his choosing. Uh, <laughs> I am going to give you a song title and the artist. All right. And for three points, you tell me what TV show that song serves as the theme for. Ah. Okay. So I'll give oh, you a... no. Uh, yep. That's what's <laughs> happening. Guess freely. And if you get it incorrect, I'll play you a clip of the theme. All right. So for three points, if you can guess it without an audio clue, one point, if you can guess it with an audio clue, you can guess all you want. All right. I'm not going to force you to pick a clue or not a clue. So... Okay. If you know it. it, three points. If you need the clip and you get it right, we'll give you one point. Note that the artist is usually the performer, but sometimes ends up being the songwriter as well or only. All right. Okay. Steel okay. meal situation, please, Tara. All right. Sarah has one. I have one. Valued guests have zero. Okay. With that, let's throw it to Picky to see who will go first. We will start with Tara. All right. So we're going to go with Tara. Are we ready to play That's What It's Called? Wait, no. me, then who? Oh, Catherine, then Sarah. Okay. <laughs> no. Yes, now we are ready. No, um, well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are we ready now to play That's What yes. It's Called? Right. Yes. You too, sure. Sarah? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Remember, your first clue is the song and the artist, and if you can name the show, you get three points. If Got not, it. we'll move on to the audio clue. Here we go, Tara. Yakety Sax by Boots Randolph. Any Hill. Any Hill. Uh, also, I want to note that sometimes the original song will be played. It's not quite the same as the theme. So, okay. Another gotcha time there. All right. To Catherine. Wait, you've is got that correct? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Do you need right. the actual ding? There you go. Yes. Is, trying to keep score right. here. All right. I said it was right. You've Got Time by Regina Spector. Oh, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black. All right. Here's Sarah's first. We are talking My Life by Billy Joel. 
Bosom Buddies. <laughs> ever seen the video for my life no no you got to track it down because billy it, it, the start of it it's like one of those early era videos where they tried to like tack some story onto the start or some like <laughs> mood yeah. stuff and he's sort of like in a like a project um in i don't know maybe the bronx or on the uh the east side of manhattan and um it goes on forever, and he's trying to play tough, but he also can't. You know when people in front of the camera and they forget how to walk? That's yeah. happening. It's it's very easy. <laughs> Look at it. Look at it. It's on YouTube. All right, back to Tara. Yes. Here with me by Dido. Oh no! Oh shit! Is it Roswell? Is it? No. It is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The original Roswell, not the new one. Right. Back to Catherine. Love is All Around by Sonny Curtis. Oh, I I don't. I don't know. Don't Play know. me the clip, but I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, here you go. Mary Tyler Moore show is oh, correct. Thank one God point. I was going to get kicked off of my, my website. If I that <laughs> okay. Yeah. Love is all around. No need to waste it. One point. Here we go for Sarah Debunting. We are talking Suicide is Painless by Johnny Mandel. <laughs> um, MASH. MASH. Correct for three points. I realize and I can see. Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And I can take or leave it if I please. I wonder why they didn't put lyrics in the TV. All right. Here we go. This uh, is back to Tara. We are talking This Is It by Polly Cutter. Um... Oh, God. Good old uh, Polly Cutter. Eva Laughlin? This is it. This is it. All right. What's that show? One day at a time. One day at a time. Correct. Oh, sorry, Kim Reed. Uh, to Catherine. To myself. Closer to Free by the Bodines. Nope. I'm going to need a clip. Yeah! Everybody wants to live how they want to live, and everybody wants to love how they want to love. Everybody wants. Nope, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna be able to do. I'm gonna it, give you try. an additional clue. Okay. And that is this. It is uh, one of a few shows recently that is getting a immigration-themed makeover reboot. Oh, oh, um, but it's not Roswell. Not Roswell. Um, not on the air yet. 
this reboot. Not on the air yet, but it's getting an immigration-themed reboot. Oh, shoot. One of those CW ones, isn't it? Mm. Uh, nope. Anybody? Yep. Party, Party of five. five. Party of Five. Oh, damn it. This is where the gulf between our ages really show. shows, Catherine. Yeah. So he's not allowed to watch that show. All right. Well, here's uh, a- that charted, that theme song. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Huh. Um, okay. So this is for Sarah. We are talking, according to our new arrival by Leon Redbone. According to our new arrival. Yes. Hmm. That sounds like Benson to me. No, but <laughs> but let's 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 hear it. God damn it. Could you be no any closer to being right? <laughs> Sarah really um, sat on her balls with that one. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere. Mr. Belvedere, yes. Oh, Correct for one point. Belvedere. <laughs> okay, back to Tara. <laughs> California by Phantom Planet. The OC. The OC. Correct. Sin your wig too, damn. We've been on the run, driving in the sun, looking up for number one. California, here All right. we come. California I once is- saw them in concert. Just, oh, yeah. I'm just going to say oh, that. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. They opened for like Incubus or something. Yeah. Like, was it Was it ever 2002? <laughs> and they had to play like California three times because those are the only they did, yes. They, they did. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Catherine, it is your turn. We are talking. We used to be friends by the Dandy Warhols. Veronica Mars. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Picky uh, did not favor you on that one. Ew. Here we go. Uh, this is for you, though. I'm just looking at... Yes, this is our uh, last question before our score break, our one and only score break. Short Skirt Long Jacket by Cake is the song. Chuck. Chuck. Hey. Share dancing jams in this game, Dave. Mm, sure. <laughs> uh, three points for that one. And with that, the scores, please, at our halfway mark. Very close game. Catherine has seven points. Sarah and I are tied with 10 each. All right. That means, Catherine, you are in. <laughs> The Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone. Big points <gasps> up here. You can get six points. If you can correctly answer three of the following six Trivial Pursuit TV box questions. Are you ready? Good luck. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Classics is your first category. 
What mm-hmm. wacky 50s TV host led his city slicker band on such albums as Dinner Music for People Who Aren't Very Hungry? I don't, I don't know. I don't, don't know. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. Answer was Spike Jones. Spike Jones. Oh. Ah. Okay. Sitcoms. What actor wanted to change the title of Barney Miller to Fish and Barney? <laughs> what? Um... What actor wanted to change that? Nope, I'm not going to get this one either. Nope, nope. That's good old Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dramas. What nickname was inspired by an amateur sleuth? Sorry, what nickname was inspired by amateur sleuth Simon Templar's initials? What n- Who writes these questions? Um... <laughs> A lot of these questions have additional information just to trick you up, but basically he's asking, who is Simon Templar? Oh, I still don't know. Nope, nope, nope. Mm -mm. Nope. That is the saint. The saint. All right. That means you have to get all three of these last three questions. to. This is not going to happen, you guys. I'm just saying it right now. It might. Yeah. What Emmy awarding sitcom family became dogs in the cartoon series The Barkleys? So this was a, I, a, a, a live action sitcom turned into a cartoon series called The Barclays. I, d- d- I, what? What? <laughs> what is happening right now? What is happening? That was The Bunkers. They turned all the family oh, into a geez. cartoon called The Barclays, apparently. What all right. Okay. To do? Uh, all right. So you're, you've been shut out. Uh, that no, was a I, yes, pretty hard. Not cr- They're not that usually that hard. I uh, will have yeah, to admit wow. you kind of got screwed over by uh, Trivial Pursuit. That's, Thank you very much, Horn Abbott. All right. <laughs> back to the game <laughs> and back to Tara for yes. question 13. Mm-hmm. Teardrop, teardrop by Massive Attack. Is this house? Is it? It is. Just let that one fade out because that's pretty much the whole song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, for Catherine, as long as we got each other by B.J. Thomas and Dusty Springfield. Uh, we'll never do everything but after, baby, you and me. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, it's like family matter. Family matters. Family ties. Mm. No. You were close, so keep yeah. that in mind. Show me that smile I can sing the whole thing. Minute of your cry. All right, can you place that? You were really close. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> that was growing pain. Oh god damn it I could see his hair. Yeah. I could see the hair. <laughs> Sorry. I you He's I dead. could tell it was it was just see like the one synapse firing away yep. from yep. getting the yep. right answer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this is for Sarah. Without us by Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams. Uh that's family ties, yeah. Is it? I 
that we've been together for a Jesus, I was getting scared. I was like, oh my God, is it? Yeah, the uh, the actual song has a big long intro there for sure. All right. Sha-la-la-la. I was going to say, how do you not clip Sha-la-la-la? Well, because I don't want to give it away. Uh, Save Me by Remy Zero is yours, Tara. Oh. Smallville? Oh, my. so mean to record the day Remy Zero had a kidney stone. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct for three points. And we're back to Catherine. 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 I'm Always Here by Jimmy Jameson. Mm, play the clip. All right, here we go. Here's your clip. I know this one too. My brain is not working today. Um, it's like, is it like a medical show? No, um, it's, it's not going to. It's first responder yeah. adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> that that clearly right, confused the issue tell, even more. Yeah, tell me what it is. Um, that was everybody. Anybody else know? I know, I know it, but I can't place it. That is Baywatch. Dang. Baywatch. Ah! Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, boy, I feel sorry for a cat. I can tell there's so many yeah, that fine. are so close. For Sarah, The Fishing Hole by Earl Hagen. <clears throat> um, uh, well, I might as well guess it. Is this uh, the Andy Griffith show? Well, now take down your fishing pole and meet me at the fishing hole. We may not get a bite all day, but don't you rush away. That is words. What a great <laughs> place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You feel fresh as a lemonade setting in the shade. Weather is hot. Yes, that was. That was sung there by oh, uh, Andy Thank Griffin you, Opie himself. Cunningham, for carrying yeah. a fishing rod in the credits. <laughs> Sorry. Was that. that was a good guess. That was that was uh, yep. well thought out. A Beautiful Mine. This is uh, back to Tara. A Beautiful Mine. Not Mind. Mine right. by yep. RJD2. I'm, since it's free, justified? That is incorrect. Mm, dang. All right, Tara. Get ready. No. Oh, oh, no. so bad. Um, all right. Tara, you obviously know it. Yeah, it's Mad Men. Mad Men, correct. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get a quick. Uh, no, well, let's not. Let's not do it now. No. <laughs> Changing keys. No. 
for Catherine. Changing、mm. keys by Merv Griffin. Uh, nope. Gonna need the clip. All right. Here you go. It goes on for that forever, ever, ever. Now, that is、yeah. a slightly older version. The current、yeah. uh, one they're using is a little jazzier. I, I know it. And、uh, if you know who Mr. Griffin is, you can definitely get the genre filtered down. Yeah, yeah no, I, you're just going to look. Just, can we just put me out of my misery <laughs> at some point?、Mm. <laughs> All right, other people? Wheel of Fortune, right? Wheel of Fortune. Oh, right.、Correct. Yeah. Okay.、Yep. Sarah D. Bunting, Dog on Fire by Bob Mold. <sighs> Dog on Fire、Correct. by Bob Mold. Yes. This is not Benson. This However, is not Benson. No, it.、Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to make it, just, just so you know. Sure, sure. But do you have a guess here at the three point level?、Uh, at the three point level,、um, guessers receive shit. I am going to be so pissed at myself when I don't actually know this. So let's try Killing Eve. Why not?、Mm. All right, what's that show?、Uh, Daily Show. Daily Show, yes. As performed by They Might Be Giants, but not written by them. Right. All right, everybody's got one question left. Tara Ariano, can we get the scores quickly? Still a very、oh. close game. Catherine has、what、seven points. Is it? <laughs> Sarah and I have 12 points each.、How、I mean, does, in a sense. How many does Catherine have? Seven. Okay, guys. <laughs> Don't we have 17 each, Tara?、Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes,、mm-hmm. 17 each. We're going to do an emergency equalizer challenge zone. Here we go. <laughs> I'm trying to help, but I sense that you、Why、hate would me you for doing me this. Why would you put me through more? Yeah, I'm sorry. All right. All right.、Um, here we go. Classics, Catherine. Whose touch did TV Guide say brings the Twilight Zone out of the everyday and into the beyond? Whose touch? Is it. Hitch, what, what is the whose touch? Yeah, touch is in quotes. So, like,、uh, who brought the Twilight Zone out of the everyday and into the beyond? It's a Hitchcock presents, but like, it's you're thinking of no, they're asking no, for I, a person. The answer is a、huh? person. Sorry, the answer is a person. Yeah, whose touch did TV Guide say brings the Twilight Zone out of the everyday and into the beyond? Who gave Twilight Zone is a genetic law? You're you're just never gonna. It's never gonna. I mean, I, no, I nope,、oh. nope. All right, that's、nope. uh, Rod Sterling. Rod Ster- yeah,、Host. yeah. Okay. All right. What WKRP employee won the Silver Sow Award for outstanding agricultural reporting sitcoms?、Mm. Do you know any characters I, I, from WKRP? I, no, I rec- I, re- I ask again why we're doing more、mm, questions. I Can、me? I sing this one to you, Dave? Yes. Les Desmond. Yep. 
All right, dramas. <laughs> what 1980 miniseries boasted the most dialogue in Japanese? All right, I think you can maybe get the one. I know this one. <laughs> what 1980s miniseries boasted the most dialogue in Japanese? Miss Saigon. Why are all of these from before I was mm. born? Because the cards are from before you were from born. the 90s. Oh, Kids God. and games. What Wonderkin movie mogul produced Tiny t- Tiny Toon Adventures? Ever, I, do you remember Tiny Toon Adventures? That was probably from your youth. This. No. What? Oh, what? I, I'm sorry. Given up. I'm, I'm, I thought I'd gamble Spielberg. on that. Was Steven Spielberg? All right, I'm oh. gonna put you out of your misery. Okay. okay yeah. Last questions coming up. First, we're going to go to Tara. Yep. The Street Beater by Quincy Jones. Oh, is this definition? That's a good guess. Okay. Oh, really? (laughs) Sanford and his son (laughs) in the junkyard. All right. I would have guessed Moonlighting. Sanford Sanford and the son, I heard you say you are correct. I won't say who wrote Moonlighting, but I do know. All right. (laughs) Catherine, this is for 10,000 points. Thank you. Get this right. Yep. Mm-hmm. The big yeah. one by Alan Two T E W. The big uh, one by Alan Two. If you can get it right now, ten thousand points. If you can get it after the theme, one point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna need the theme. The defendant, Mephistopheles. It's like a, it's like a, oh, it's the people's court. It's the, it people's, the people's court. It's the people's court is correct for one point. Uh, okay. Mephistopheles, well done. Yep. <laughs> All right, oh, here's God. our last one for Sarah. Angela by Bob James. By who? Bob James, Robert James. Robert James. James. Never trust a man with two first names. Um yep. Is it who's the boss? <laughs> no, but you're boy, you got some Venn diagram stuff happening here. Oh. Ah. Why? <laughs> Taxi. You are correct. And I encourage everybody to seek out the album cover to Bob's James uh, album that has this. The, there's a taxi on the bridge, and the smoke from the exhaust turns into Bob James' photo. No! <gasps> wow. Oh, wow. Uh, All right, here we are at the end of the game. Let's hear the scores. That. All right, well, Catherine finished with eight points. Yes, and, and I'm very and proud. And I are tied with 18 points. <clears throat> All right, Catherine, take a seat. Mm-hmm. Here's our tiebreaker. <laughs> First person to shout out the show wins. All right. Yep. Are you ready, Sarah D. Bunting? Locked in? Yes. Are you ready, Tari Ariana? Locked in? Yes, sir. All right. Please wait till I've read the whole clue. Ancient Voices by Russ Landau. Mm-hmm. Ancient Voices by Russ Landau. I do not know. I don't either. All I right. I'm going to play the but... theme. First person shout it out wins. This is okay. Ancient Voices. 
Survivor. Oh, I heard it at the same time, which means Sarah D. Bunting definitely said it first, given the slight sure. delay. So yep. Sarah D. Bunting, you just won yourself another game time. Sarah. Well done, Woo-hoo. Sarah D. Bunting. Well, wow, on a tear. That puts you within one of the season victories, Sarah. Hmm. Thanks for jinxing it. Yep, no problem. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We drank our fair share of Whiskey Cavalier before going around the dial with stops at uh, Jesus and Marrow and High Maintenance. Thank you. The Magicians, Grace and Frankie, and Taskmaster. Erica got us to our own good place while Tara took us to the bad place that was her King of Queens cannon pitch. (laughs) We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Sarah was the winner of this week's game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariano. Challenge fucking accepted. Sarah D. Bunting. Agents, do not empathize. And Catherine Van Arendonk. I still think Whiskey Cavalier could be good, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. In two weeks. They just look so happy, don't they? You want to stick around? Maybe catch the bouquet? No, we don't have time.